Hello, Theologizers. Uh, this is Ben, and joining me as usual is my brother, Brett. Howdy, Theologizers. And also, once, and also, once again, our Theosis, uh, Torlore9000, a.k.a. Tori. Hey, everybody. Okay, so this week we decided to do our first um, music-based podcast. And we figured there'd be no better uh, way to begin talking about the theology of music than with one of our three's uh, favorite albums, um, I would say. I would probably consider it my top album of all time, at least top two. I would as well. What about you, Brett? Yeah, it's definitely up there, especially after listening to it recently. Yeah. Which is, of course, The Joshua Tree. The famous, I think, 1986 or 1985 U2 album. 1987, the year I was born. Yeah, that's a good year to be born. Heck yeah, it was. Very true. So the Joshua Tree was kind of U2's, uh, it was the album that made U2 like huge, right? So they're already pretty popular, getting a lot of notoriety with War and Boy. Um, and they started to kind of shape their more epic kind of atmospheric sound with uh, famous producer Brian Eno on the album, um, The Unforgettable Fire, which is also an excellent album. And then The Joshua Tree was when they kind of fully kind of came into their own full U2-ness, that kind of signature epic sound, the kind of big spiritual themes um, and stuff like that. So I thought we'd start by just going around and talking about our first experience hearing the Joshua Tree album and what that was like or what our first impressions of the album uh, were. So we'll start with you, Tori. Um, do you mean the first time I heard it like straight through as an entire album? Yeah, yeah, let's say that. Okay. Because obviously, you know, we all, you know, hear a song or two on the radio in the background. Mm -hmm. The first time you kind of immersed yourself in the album as the album. I, if my memory serves me correctly, I feel like I actually heard it on a record. I don't know if you or dad were playing it. So it was like, you know, side A, side B, and... I think we just sat down and we just listened to it that way, like in the living room. How old were so you? We, um, high school. I'm not sure when specifically. Hmm. Maybe 16, 15. I don't know. But we like set aside a time to do it. So, that, was, that was probably me. <laughs> that was probably you. Every time we've set aside a time to listen to an entire album, like Dark Side of the Moon, The Wall, all of that has been like a been... A bit of it. Yeah, and the the sound quality was really good because it was in the record. You know, it had it was very vibrant. I mean, I just remember. I mean, thematically, it left an impression on me. The music was great. How everything like fit together. Like appreciating the album as a whole. In my mind, there wasn't like one weak song. You know, everything was very like emotive and captured something i liked kind of the the country the kind of the western sound to it i thought was really good i don't know it's i already had been a u2 fan i've already heard some of the songs in isolation it's hard to pin what's so great about it but it just kind of you know it captures something some part of the human condition or spirit well 
Mm -hmm. So I just remember just really being impressed when I listened to it. Yeah, for sure. Well, how about you, Brett? So I don't know if I can pinpoint the exact like first time I heard the album or heard songs off the album. I know that my first experience with U2 was through our dad because he was a big U2 fan and he loves to culture us kids on the uh, the goods, whether it be old school movies or U2 or 70s music. Yes. Yeah, shout, so out he, to, shout out to our dad for giving us a proper uh, American pop cultural education. He Definitely. did a great job. Definitely. We were, we were heavily influenced by our, our dad showing us all of the classic music and movies when we were growing up and now we have a strong appreciation for that stuff but my my first experience with u2 was more the album that came out in the early 2000s or maybe it was 2000 i think it's called all that you can't leave behind yeah yeah that's right so that was the the first album and, and the first u2 songs that i was exposed to right around the time when the album came out um, cause that was their latest project and that one had elevation. Um, what are some of the other ones on that album? Beautiful there were some day. big ones. Oh yeah. Beautiful day. Obviously that was the huge song. So that was my first experience with you two. And somewhere in there, I know that the Joshua tree and all the classics off the Joshua tree made, made their way to my ears, whether it be <laughs> with or without you or where the streets have no name. Um, and the, the other big one, um, I'm I'm blanking on the the third one. That's like one of the top tracks. I still haven't found. Oh, I still haven't found what I'm looking for. Yeah, I still haven't found what I'm looking for. So I can't pinpoint an exact time, but those started to get into the mix um, once I was first introduced to you to more with all that you can't leave behind, and then Joshua Tree made its way in there as as well. So. Um, yeah, I I don't know if I'm as big of a YouTube fan as you you guys but i i still am a big fan of the band and i i love the joshua tree specifically as an album yeah so for me i think i was like um i was in middle school i think i was probably like 14 13 or 14 and um we still had a cassette player at this point and um our dad had a cassette of the Joshua tree. And I had never listened to it straight through. So just one night, I just put it in the cassette, cassette player in my room. I decided to just listen to it straight through on tape, just in the dark as I was laying in bed. And like Tori was saying, it's hard to describe like what the kind of essence or atmosphere this album is, but it's just extremely powerful. It's a very spiritual album, both mm -hmm. sonically in terms of how it, how it's produced, how the guitars sound, it has this big kind of reverb. You know, obviously mm -hmm. Edge's guitars, the kind of echoing, giving it that immense kind of feeling. And then the themes in the album, as we'll get into more detail, like Tori was saying as well, are just very they're very existential. They're very kind of about like perennial human themes and human experiences and longings. So I just remember it was just like such an immersive experience and it was really formative on me in terms of my tastes and also i was um first starting to learn guitar at this point and i got really into uh the whole singer songwriter thing um 
over the next, you know, 10 years or whatever. And it was really formative in terms of my musical taste and how I liked to write music and the kind of themes I like to explore. Um, just that whole idea that music could not just be about these like hyper particular little experiences or a little love story or whatever, but could have this much more expansive and kind of existential sound and themes to it, I guess. Definitely, Ben. I agree. Um, you brought up a good point that very few bands venture into the territory of beyond the more simplistic love story lyrics or particular situational lyrics, smaller scale, and venture into that more expansive, like you said, existential. existential. Well, very few can <laughs> pull it off. Very few. Yeah, you're right. Very few can pull it off. But YouTube is one of the few bands that ventured into that territory and, and shows that music um, with lyrics, not just orchestral music, like the classics, mm -hmm. like Beethoven and Mozart, etc., can can go into that deeper, more expansive themed uh, area of art. And, and U2 right. is one of the few, I think, contemporary lyrical you know, rock bands that ventured into that space and they, they took full advantage of that space and really showed what, what rock and roll, what, what music can do and, and how deep lyrics can be. And uh, yeah, the whole sound of the album, like you said, Ben, is just very, um, it's very unique in the best way. Like it, it, it kind of transports you into this wider space it's not like normal, not like 90% of music that's out there on the radio and, you know, whether it be rock, pop, country, rap, whatever, like, I think U2 has um, created art that just goes a step beyond what most other um, bands have been able to do, so... It's both very it's expansive a, and very intimate at the same time. Yeah, it's, it's a special album. Yeah, yeah, for sure. All right, so I thought we'd explore uh, like six or seven um, of the specific songs in the album, because like Tori said, they're all so good. But uh, So I wanted to do a significant number, but not all of them, because that would also take us too long. <laughs> um. But I guess probably the ones that maybe are the most amenable to theological uh, reflection. Uh, and this is in order. So let's start off with the opening track. I think the best opening of an album of all time, mm -hmm. which is Where the Streets Have No Name.
Probably the most famous song from the album that has this, um, you know, epic building synth um, or organ kind of intro, and the edges guitar, you know, starts coming in and kind of it immediately it builds the kind of sonic space, right, um, where the rest of the album is going to live. If that makes sense, it's kind of building yeah. that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it sets the tone. Yeah, so any initial thoughts on where the streets have no name, specifically? I think that's one of the greatest songs, period. I mean, it's really kind of an anthem about kind of everybody coming together and kind of transcending kind of artificial human boundaries. And it it has a strong, the way it's written, um seems like it's strongly hinting at kind of like heaven or like the fulfillment of humanity when all those things are broken down and everything is made perfect. Yeah. Yeah. So like the title of the song where the streets have no name, um, if I remember correctly, uh, Bono said is, is referring to, I guess in Dublin, you could kind of tell at least back in the day, um, which area of a neighborhood was Protestant or Catholic based on the names of the streets. So the the different names of the streets um, were kind of emblematic, I guess, for Bono of these, which were in Ireland, very um, antagonistic religious differences, right? Between people and boundaries between people. So like you said, Tori, this concept of where the streets have no name um, it's this kind of Pauline concept, right? Where the, uh, to live in a world where there's neither Greek nor Jew, right? Nor neither slave nor free, neither male nor female, but all are one. Right? Mm-hmm. And that's a that's a big concept too. Um, and, and I still haven't found what I'm looking for. He says a similar line about all the colors bleeding into one. Yeah, that's yeah. kind of a consistent theme. Yeah, it's a good point. What about you, Brett? What do you yeah. what are your thoughts? Yeah, I, I love that song. It might be my favorite on... Well, I don't know. Those, those first three songs are all such heavy hitters. I don't know which yeah. one's my favorite. But um, yeah, you know, my my bread and butter subjects, especially with my faith, is uh, longing. And that longing for something beyond our experience, that, that beauty that we're all uh, striving to to experience to, to to get in touch with and that's what this song speaks to um and, and the whole sound of the song like you said that building intro is is so i think appropriate for the the theme of of looking toward this this place that we haven't experienced yet but that that is where love dwells where all barriers and all um, uh, d- dividing um, labels and cultures and races and religions kind of melt away. And, and, and like you said, been that Pauline concept of us all being just in the, the brother and sisterhood of humanity. Um, and just, just how every human being has a, has a pointer and a desire for that where love permeates everything um in this place that you know you two and their song says the streets have no name and so i i just think 
the it's it's not only the lyrics but the the sound of this of the song it is just it just brings the themes just into this beautiful place it's like the the sound of of the the music is so appropriate for what what the lyrics are speaking to so and, yeah. and if you wouldn't mind i'm just going to read the um the first two verses and the chorus yeah go ahead give a little context okay i want to run i want to hide i want to tear down the walls that hold me inside i want to reach out and touch the flame where the streets have no name i want to feel sunlight on my face i see the dust clouds disappear without a trace i want to take shelter from the poison rain where the streets have no name and it says where the streets have no name where the streets have no name we're still building and burning down love burning down love and when i go there i go there with you it's all i can do yeah it's so powerful yeah this first couple of verses just really speak to that longing right i want to reach out and touch the flame where the streets have no name but i like how in the chorus right it says we're, we are still building and burning down love Mm-hmm. And to me, that kind of signifies how that thing we're longing for, right? That that you know, new creation, unity, um, you know, perfect love and community, and all those things aren't things that we can build. Right? Mm-hmm. It says we, that's what I see in the line. We are we we are still building, then burning down love, right? And when we try to in our own power, right? Mm-hmm. Kind of bring heaven to earth um you might say you know without divine help or discipline yeah. like the tower of babel right we build it up and it just burns down okay, so yeah let's... start building it up again yeah yeah that's that's a great observation that that line stuck out to me too how we're still building then burning down love burning down love and that is so true goes back to the in a sense, beautiful, gracious helplessness of humanity yeah. <laughs> and, and how humanity is just in desperate need of their father, of their creator. There, there, there's no independence here. We're, we're, we can't build um, a utopian society ourselves. We can't get to what we're longing for ourselves. We can't make love the central thing in our lives and in society and in the world uh by our own efforts and i think history shows us that and that's where i think other songs um like maybe john lennon's um imagine or, or others that that one of the worst more. songs ever written. yeah oh, man. <laughs> they they, they oh, paint yeah. they paint more this picture of uh, a utopia that us as humankind can achieve where that this song more points to the the how our, our striving for that utopia ourselves is all in vain yeah and how god is the is the only one who can build right. that space in that place where the streets have no name which is the opposite right because john lennon his utopia is you know imagine there's no religion <laughs> you know yeah um, yeah yeah Whereas this where it you- talks about arbitrary religious antagonisms being broken down, but there's no indication on this album that religion should be done away with. Right? Yeah, and, and that's what I like thinking- about you too as well, because God, God is a prevalent theme in you oh, yeah. songs. Yeah, especially on this album. 
Yeah. But I just thought too, uh, you could even read the line right after that line is connecting to it. So like, we're still building, then burning down love, burning down love. And when I go there, I go there with you. It's all I can do. So, right. I always thought about that as like another person and maybe it's about that. But I feel like with this kind of divine view, you could say like, we're only gonna not be burning down love, right? If we go there with God, right? If we yeah. go there with the divine help, that's all we can do. Yes. I also feel like it could be a reference to heaven, like where the streets have no name. If that's heaven, if that's where the final place where that's broken down, yeah, then it's like this, that is the one place that we transcend to where we finally reach that perfect love. Yeah. That perfect world. That's kind of to achieve that, you know, we need to, we, we can't fully achieve it until we transcend our current decay our, and corruption. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So how about we go to uh, the next song on the album, which is I Still Haven't Found What I'm Looking For. the most overtly um christian or religious spiritual one they have yeah explain tori um i mean let me bring up the lyrics first it also i want to side run note. i want to hide sorry oh wait hold on hold on hold on brett's very well i have known. climbed the highest mountain Sorry. Brett's well known for his on-point Bono impression. Uh, <laughs> okay. Well, I was just going to say as a quick side note, uh, also musically, I still haven't found out what, I, what I'm looking for, um, is written with a kind of gospel um, yes, rhythm and tenor to it. You're right. Um, and actually, what's interesting about that, I think you can hear that independently, um, but in the documentary Rattle and Hum, I believe one mm -hmm. of the scenes in that is at a gospel church, I think, yes. I, I think in Harlem. Um, and they do um, a kind of intimate performance of I Still Haven't Found What I'm Looking For with a gospel choir. And it actually works perfectly. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, that's awesome. Okay, ready? Because this one has a lot of gold in it. Yes. So it starts with, I have climbed the highest mountains. I have run through the fields only to be with you only to be with you. I have run, I have crawled, I have scaled these city walls, these city walls, only to be with you. But I still haven't found what I'm looking for. But I still haven't found what I'm looking for. And 
Yeah, I'll, I'll read a little more of it as well. Cause, yeah, because it's all such gems. It is. It's hard so, to stop. I've spoken yeah. with the tongue of angels. I have held the hand of the devil. It was warm in the night. I was cold as a stone. But I still haven't found what I'm looking for. But I still haven't found what I'm looking for. And did you want to read the uh, the next part? Sure. Yeah. So, I have kissed honey lips, felt the healing in the fingertips. It burned like fire, this burning desire. Right. So I think that's kind of alluding to romantic love. Yeah. Um, I've spoke with the tongue of angels. I have held the hand of the devil. It was warm in the night. I was cold as a stone, but I still haven't found what I'm looking for. And then the verse that um, Tori was referring to earlier in the bridge of the song, I believe in the kingdom come uh, when all the colors will bleed into one, bleed into one. And yes, I'm still running. And this is very clearly referring to Jesus here. You broke the bonds, you loosed the chains, carried the cross of all my shame, all my shame. You know I believe it, but I still haven't found what I'm looking for. Yeah, I like that last part because it, it shows that, you know, we had that hope in Christ and what he what he did for us on the cross. And we hold on to that and that changed everything in, in a real way. But in another way, we haven't seen the the ultimate fulfillment of that. So in the meantime, we still haven't tangibly, like fully experientially found what we're looking for. Yeah. Um, this this is the most existential in the album. And it's yeah. it's kind of gives me Ecclesiastes vibes because oh, yeah. the book of the Bible, Ecclesiastes, is very, very honest about sort of dealing with existential issues and not being able to find fulfillment on earth and even doubting and just kind of that human feeling of even when you're a Christian, you still are constantly feeling a longing to fulfill a need. Yeah. You still feel this kind of certain level of unfulfillment emptiness. You know, you still deal with those human issues even as a Christian. Yes. It shows that it's okay. It's okay to question. Um, you know what this reminded me of? This is just a very recent event i don't know if you guys know we we, we all watch the show dog the bounty hunter the reality oh, show yeah yeah I'm the dog, the big the <laughs> i don't know if you guys knew but um yes dog's uh, wife beth chapman passed away oh i did couple, not know that yeah a couple days ago from cancer Oh my lord! Yeah, and and I was actually a fan of that show. It's kind of sad because I remember watching that like in college and stuff, and and being really entertained by it. Like, and and anyway, if, if those of you who don't know who who Dog the Bounty Hunter is, he had they had this reality show. He's like this very kind of flamboyant biker. Like he has like this giant mullet uh, guy, but he he lives in Hawaii. Yeah, he's not a local Hawaiian, but he lives in Hawaii and he wears like all this leather and he goes after uh, criminals and stuff around the island. It's just a very entertaining show. Anyway, his wife uh, would go with him and a lot of his family members, um, his wife, Beth Chapman. And, um, and a lot of times throughout the show, like they would they would pray before they would go out and then Dog would always try to like talk with these convicts after he picked them up. And um, kind of try to speak some encouragement into hope into their life. And he was kind of this hardcore dude, but in reality, just a softy. You know, he would tear up sometimes. You know, so he had a he, he had a good heart. You know, 
Um, and, and I think they were loosely, they would loosely consider themselves Christian. You know, they, they, they spoke about Jesus a lot on the show and stuff anyway. So his wife, Beth just passed and I watched, um, an interview with him today and, um, it, it was, it was very moving. And one thing that he said was, I, I he said, I really hope there's a God. He's like, I've been praying to God all this time to Jesus trying to keep the faith. He talked about how he was um, telling Beth that Jesus was with her in her last moments. And she kept on saying like, tell me again. And he would tell her again. Mm-hmm. But in this interview, he was like, I, he was just, he was just being honest. He said, I really hope there's a God. He's like, I hope I haven't just been talking to myself all this time. And if there is, I'm going to see my wife again. And it just showed the vulnerability and, and kind of the questions that can, can will arise in all of us. I think, especially in those times of grieving, where yeah, we believe it. You know, we we proclaim the name of Jesus. We believe in God, but in but in the end, we we still are never in a place of one hundred percent full certainty. And that's what faith is: is pushing that direction without that 100% foolproof, full certainty and, 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 and still maintaining the faith, mm-hmm. maintaining the hope. But it shows a person that's in a place of crisis who is questioning, but still holds the name of Jesus. He was, he was proclaiming the name of Jesus over his wife until she passed. Yet here he is questioning. It just shows that it's okay to question, you know? And it goes right to this lyric where it says, um, it says, uh, you know, you loosen the chains, carry the cross of my shame, of my shame, referring to Jesus. You know, I believe it, but I still haven't found what I'm looking for. And it goes into that kind of in-between state that we're all in, where we proclaim our faith, we proclaim the name of Jesus. We believe it's true. We see the fruits of it, but we still aren't totally home yet, Yeah, you know? And it's okay to ask the question. We still see through a glass darkly, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. And yeah. I'll read quick in the part in Ecclesiastes I was referring to about doubt. Oh, yeah. So, um, okay. Everything is meaningless. I'll go to the same place. I'll come from dust and to dust I'll return. Who knows if the human spirit rises upward and if the spirit of the animal goes down into the earth. So it's saying like, it's expressing that doubt. Yeah. That, that's something that I feel like too many... Um, actually, even a lot of Christians, I think, don't appreciate this enough. But especially people outside the church, I feel like they they don't realize how Scripture itself, right, uh, gives us the language for for wrestling with God, right? So God mm-hmm. gives us inspired mm-hmm. language of doubt and questioning and raging and expressing a sense of abandonment questioning even God's goodness and justice. And most of the prophets did to some degree or another. Yeah. And it was included in the Bible. It wasn't like glossed over. Oh, right. yeah. Yeah. And I think there's there's definitely a, a misperception um, of what faith is, you know, what the Christian faith is by a lot of, I think, Christians, like you said, people outside the church as well, that 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 think that there's no space at all for wrestling with god that there's no space to ask questions to have crises of faith um, yeah it's, it's a sign of being a weak christian or an immature yeah, christian yeah. To, to be in that place well, li- liter- literally the name israel 
means one who wrestles with God. Yeah, it, it's almost absurd that that is that has become the perception because it's so anti-scripture and anti-faith. What faith really is. Yeah, and it kind of shows God respects and understands your humanity. Oh, you yeah. know, like He understands that 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 is is difficult. He understands that faith is a process. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I mean, everyone's dealing with it. We're all, like G.K. Chesterton says, we're all in the same boat and we're all seasick. And, and G, <laughs> like Jesus, G, God, cl climbed into the boat with us as a man. <laughs> and he understands that we're all seasick. And part of that seasickness is we, we, we freaking sometimes don't know what's going on. And we don't know if we believe what we believe. Even like with God, I mean, we can't comprehend him. We're still in the dark. We, we can't. We can get a taste, but we can't actually fully comprehend what heaven means or the full experience of God. We really are. Yeah. You know, we're, we haven't even touched the tiniest tip of the iceberg. Yeah. Yeah. He also talks about how nothing ever really fulfills you in the song. And what's interesting is he includes things that are more, you know, quote unquote, earthly. But then he also includes, like, spoke with the tongue of angels. You know, even with those spiritual experiences mm -hmm. still being a human on earth you've never fully found what you're looking for yeah and there's another quote in ecclesiastes i like that again kind of parallels this idea i denied myself nothing my eyes desired i refused my heart no pleasure my heart took delight in all my labor and this was the reward for all my toil yet when i surveyed all that my hands had done and what i had toiled to achieve everything was meaningless a chasing after the wind nothing was gained under the sun that's, and that's are, that's a, that's what you call real talk yeah exactly <laughs> and in ecclesiastes that's you know there's like pleasure is meaningless the next little part is called wisdom is meaningless and he just talks about how he's like grappling with those issues of trying to find meaning in life and testing it in every way and kind of yeah. coming up empty yeah yeah and, and like you said not everything um that Presumably Solomon, I guess, right? Solomon is the... That's who they assume is the author, right. yeah. Mm -hmm. Not everything Solomon describes as meaningless in this life is is like an intrinsically bad thing. Right? Mm -mm. Like, like you said, yeah. he, talk, he talks about wisdom. He talks about like honest labor, right? And all these sorts of things. Um, so it's basically what he's saying is even things that are good in themselves, these virtuous things in their finite or transient form, still don't satisfy our sense for an ultimate meaning right yes yeah it's how everything needs to come come under the lordship of of god all of these good things you know and it goes back to like a, a properly ordered life where we at some point i think we realize that even if it might be on our deathbed that I mean, life is full of goods, and they're all gifts from from our Father. But when it, the 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 end all say all, the only thing that 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 survives in the end is God, who is love. You know, and that's it. <laughs> and you know, I believe that all of the goods of this this world will be uh, transferred and and uh, redeemed in their fullest potential into our lives to come. But um, at some point, 
we have to we we have to come to terms with the the transient and finite nature in this present physical reality we're living in of all of these goods save god himself so let's move on to with or without you extremely powerful song and more focuses on romantic love it's it's more of an intimate song extremely beautiful song um i feel like the kind of main theme of it is a kind of ambivalent romantic love right with or without you i can't live with or without you mm-hmm. um and, but again i feel like embedded in this song is still continuous with the last two songs which is this sense of unfulfilled desire right mm-hmm. or the dynamic of a kind of like tension in what we think will or is fulfilling fulfilling us so some of the lyrics are um actually these might be some of my favorite lyrics on the album they're just very yeah they're very good. they're very terse but very powerful mm-hmm. it says a slide of hand and twist of fate on a bed of nails she makes me wait and i wait without you yes yeah, one of my favorites yeah through the storm, we reach the shore, right? So you're out of the storm, you're on the shore, presumably, you know, it's better times in the romantic love or whatever. You give it all, but I want more. And then he kind of repeats this refrain, and you give yourself, and you give yourself away, you give yourself away, kind of with this sense that no matter how completely and repeatedly you give yourself away to someone else, right, romantically, there's still something lacking or there's still something ambivalent about yeah. your love. My hands are tied, my body bruised. She's got me with nothing to win and nothing left to lose and so on. Hey, I, I could be speaking outside of my experience, but I, I would think that every romantic relationship in existence has times like this, if not this being the the biggest theme of their relationship <laughs> throughout a, a marriage or a dating relationship where mm-hmm. um, it, it's always a I don't want to use the word sh- struggle but it's it's always something where you're you're, you're kind of working at it yeah. where you're both trying to achieve a certain level of fulfillment and of happiness in a romantic loving relationship but inevitably you feel like it falls 
short not to say you don't love the person deeply or have this you know intimate relationship with someone that you couldn't have with anybody else you know over years and years and years especially people who've married like 50 60 years not, not it's not to take away from that or or take away from the weightiness of that but it just it shows the nature of a relationship with another broken human being and how as long as we're broken and as long as we're human in our current state there's gonna be this feeling of friction um where we're constantly striving i think for something with the other person but not quite achieving it and we want it like we want to be with you but then we're, we need to we feel like we can't live with you can't live with you know just like the song speaks to this kind of back and forth ping pong match um when you rely it, too heavily on that person yeah and uh, yeah and i think that just the nature of putting all of your hope into a romantic relationship or another flawed human being and how it, it just shows how important it is in a relationship to put god at the head where you're both looking at God, you're both striving toward a mutual love of God. And I think that's where the most healthy romantic love can spring rather than trying to get total fulfillment from each other directly. I think that inevitably leads to this kind of chaos in the mind and, and in the heart like this song speaks to. Yeah. It reminds me of, I think it was a line by C.S. Lewis where he's talking about the kind of the paradox of dying to yourself, right? Or giving yourself completely to Christ um, is that, so it's like, if we're, if we try to give ourselves entirely or primarily to any finite good, whether it's a person or a vocation or whatever, we just lose ourselves and we don't get ourselves back. But the beauty and the paradox of giving ourselves entirely to God, right? is that we get all those finite goods back in their true beauty and mm -hmm. fulfillment right yeah so if in a if you don't treat a romantic relationship as the most fundamental good but you treat god as the most fundamental good then you actually get the true beauty of the romantic relationship and all finite goods right you get them back when you give them away mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Back to the rightly ordered life, as uh, Bishop Robert Barron loves to harp on. <laughs> dun, dun, it has a dun, poster dun, of, of him dun, in, dun, his, dun. in his closet. I am Bishop Barron. Ben. Even though our listeners can't can't see this, this is just for my own personal and Torres entertainment. First, I just want you to take a real quick uh, Bishop Barron pose, like on your on your mic, how he sits. You me? Yeah. <laughs> oh, listeners, if only you could see. And now, now do it. Do it. This is this is Brandon Vaught, his his partner in crime on his podcast. Do me a little quick Brandon Vaught face, Ben. You mean Brandon the Dimple Vaught? Yes. Let's see it. <laughs> Where's Ben? Wait, bring Ben up on the big picture. <laughs> All right. Sorry. No, about that. Is, I don't know awesome. why Brett's insisting on uh, me doing comedy that you can't perceive at all. It's always okay. personal. My personal selfish if, if Brett's a good person, he'll he'll cut it out. Yeah. Oh no, that's I'm gonna keep it in just for kicks. So <laughs> let's move on to oh, this is the more controversial song. Uh oh. 
Bullet the Blue Sky. Yeah. Ooh. like kind of deals with the corruption of worldly power particularly america's and it also addresses like some of the other songs address the the kind of paradoxes and tensions inherent in uh trying to live an authentically christian life in america right with characteristically american values mm -hmm. um and this song kind of focuses on america's kind of abuse right they we kind of treat ourselves in, as a light on the on a hill but our role of you know, nuclear proliferation and um warfare and these sorts of things so some of the lyrics are in the howling wind comes a stinging rain see it driving nails into the souls on the tree of pain from the firefly a red orange glow see the face of fear running scared in the valley below uh, in the locust wind comes a rattle and hum. Jacob wrestled the angel, and the angel was overcome. This is probably my favorite lyric. You plant a demon seed, you raise a flower of fire. See them burning crosses, see the flames higher and higher. Bullet the blue sky. So what are y'all's your, thoughts on this song? Also a very cool song sonically. It's kind of the most rocking yeah. song on the album. Yeah, that's true. It, it definitely distinguishes itself for, uh, very uniquely on the album. It's very distinct from all the other songs on Joshua it, Tree. It's the most kind of cynical or it's the least kind of ambivalent. Yeah, I, yeah. I guess it's the most kind of um, and part of it. What's interesting about this one, and I guess it does go back to the ambivalence is um, the album, if I remember correctly, you know, was originally the idea of it came from actually Bono kind of falling in love with the American countryside. I think when they were on tour for maybe war or something. Yeah, especially and, the Western countryside. Yes. And and so what's interesting is that's what the album was born from. But then they have, you know, a song that heavily criticizes. And so it kind of goes back to that kind of amb ambivalence, you know, and there's there's songs about and I think Bono always has this where, you know, he'll like praise American America, but then, you know, he'll also 
you know, kind of have some of these ambivalent feelings. Yeah. And this will come out more explicitly in uh, in God's Country. Mm-hmm. We'll talk about in a minute. Yeah. You know, sometimes Bono puts on his cowboy hat, you know, and he goes, <laughs> he, he goes American, you know, and other times he's wolfing America. <laughs> By the way, I have a new um, just life saying. Mm-hmm. Everyone's whooping and getting whooped. One of the two. True that. Everyone Um, wants to think that they're only getting whooped. Oh, no. They're doing the whooping. We're all whooping each other as well. Um, Sorry, that was a little side note. So, yeah, the church should be very wary of getting in bed with the state. That's uh, (laughs) a tale as old as time where you, you start to mesh political values and spiritual values into one entity it never ends in a healthy place so i think bono's rightly criticizing some of that and some of that stuff that that has gone on in america yeah what do you think let's let's move on to my favorite song of all time actually i know these are strong words but this is my favorite song ever written which is running to stand still. This is your number one U2 song, isn't it, Ben? Yeah. That's my favorite song, period. Yeah. Oh, wow. Wow. It's, yeah, it was really powerful when I listened to it last week. Yeah, it's it's the simplest song on the album, but the most um, bittersweet and kind of heartbreakingly beautiful mm-hmm. song on yes. the album. So yeah. uh, we'll start with you, Tori. What are your thoughts on this song? Yeah, I agree. Because, again, it, it captures kind of the human... It, it, even though it's kind of a little more specifically on the surface about addiction, I think it captures the deeper human experience. And it, in a sense, I think we're all addicts in like the running, not the running to stand still. And well, let, me say have, a, let me say as a quick side note, what Tori's referring to is the, the impetus for this song was a, a kind of heroin addiction epidemic um, in Dublin. <laughs> that Bono mm-hmm. is, was, that's the kind of surface theme of it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But like Tori says, it has, it's more universal than that as well. Sorry, continue. Uh, oh, no worries. Um, and like, I still haven't found what I'm looking for, for, you know, with like addiction, it's like, you're always really craving something, but it never fulfills you. And so it's just a cycle of feeling a desperate need for something that never really ends up giving you anything it only empties you out but you can't stop the craving for it 
even though it's it's painfully hurting you and letting you down. So to some degree, we're kind of all addicts. That's kind of part of the human condition. We're all like craving something and pursuing something and we know that it won't fulfill us because it never did. We know that it'll leave us heartbroken, but even knowing that we still crave it and seek after it and we feel like we're stuck in this cycle. And so I, I think that addiction is actually a good metaphor of kind of the brokenness of humanity and the human experience and that kind of longing for something we can never fulfill and kind of the heartbreak that goes with that. Yeah. I think the most powerful lyrics in the song that captured that is um, sweet, the sin, bitter, the taste in my mouth. I see seven towers, but I only see one way out. You've got to cry without weeping, talk without speaking, scream without raising your voice. You know, I took the poison from the poison stream, then I floated out of here. So beautiful, so beautiful. It is. The And I, I love how he kind of poetically conveys this sense of feeling impossibly trapped, right? Mm-hmm. In this cycle by saying, well, there is a way out, right? I see one way out. But then he says, well, here's the way out. He lists a series of impossibilities. You have to mm. cry cry without weeping, talk without speaking, scream without raising your voice. And I think that also um, kind of goes back to not being able to kind of communicate the brokenness within you and yeah. reach out for help with other people. No one can fully communicate kind of the brokenheartedness inside them. No one can communicate those unfulfilled desires you know like cry without weeping talk without speaking there's also like a barrier where you can't ever express that and if you do people won't receive it perfectly yeah yeah that's a great point and of course it ends with the extremely powerful line she will suffer the needle chill she's running Mm -hmm. stand and i like how it lets it sit there still Mm -hmm. more explicitly referring to the heroin addictions mm-hmm. yeah um yeah you know i i think and i've i've heard this said by ben's favorite uh mentor of the faith richard Rohr. um oh god <laughs> i'm just joking um in this one respect that we're all addicted people right like everyone's addicted to to something um and there's there's the obvious addictions that that you know, people talk about, but I think there's uh, more subtle addictions that we all have that aren't the more like explicitly spoken about addictions. They, they, they kind of lie under the surface a little bit more, whether it be, you know, whatever we do to kind of keep our fears, our anxieties at bay, you know, going to lesser things outside of, of, of God himself. Um, and, and the, yeah, this, the, the lyrics of this song can speak to to most people to, to the to the human experience in general not just heroin obviously but um, how we're all trying to kind of fulfill that that hole inside of us with with all different kinds of things um, outside of God even the, even those of us who are trying to seek God on a day-to-day basis and make him our primary, um, pursuit. I, all of us fall into lesser things, you know, mm-hmm. in the just the the kind of 
emptiness that it eventually brings and the frustration of continuing to go to certain things and then realizing that there's nothing there's nothing in the well there's no there's no water to fulfill even though we, we're constantly seeking it um yeah. running running to stand still yeah. stuff. it is very powerful stuff. all right so let's move on to where bono again more specifically gets into the uh, the tensions of a kind of Americanized spirituality in the song God's Country. There's a very famous kind of American phrase, right? Referring to the state you live in or whatever in the South or the Midwest. God's country. God's Come on down. <laughs> I love, so here's some of the lyrics. Uh, so he says, desert sky, dream beneath the desert sky. The rivers run, but soon run dry. So that's like what you were just talking about with the well. But, uh, mm -hmm. We need new dreams tonight. I love that line because it, it gets to the mm -hmm. kind of insatiable. Mm -hmm. like the American dream is this kind of thing that like well whenever we quote unquote fulfill the next dream like we're not actually fulfilled so we need a new dream now yeah always yeah. a dream on the horizon yeah uh sleep sleep comes like a drug in god's country sad eyes crooked crosses in god's country so that's the chorus and he says uh, she is liberty and she comes to rescue me hope faith and vanity the greatest gift is gold. I think, and this is an important distinction, hope, faith, her vanity. Oh, yes. Like that's her Her vanity is is the proclamation of epitomizing hope and faith. Yeah. Personifying America. I assume her is America. Yes. Yeah, when you refer to a country or a ship or something, isn't it normally referred to as a her? You know? Yeah. Yeah. But of course, it also is a play on the Pauline triad of virtues hope faith and love right? mm -hmm. it's hope faith or vanity yes right? and we kind of replace right love with the greatest gift though is gold <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah and the greatest of these is love yeah okay yeah, i yeah. see <laughs> silver and gold silver and gold when Bono sees americans he just sees yukon cornelius from <laughs> rudolph silver Nothing. Silver and gold. Well, what do you think of our friend Cornelius? Seems all he thinks about is silver and gold. 
Silver and gold, silver and gold. Everyone wishes for silver and gold. How do you measure its worth? Just by the pleasure it gives here on earth. <laughs> That's the quintessential American is Yukon Cornelius. Yes, <laughs> even though he's, yeah. And you know, so, he's like European or whatever. What's he supposed to be? I don't know. I don't know, some sort of um, supposed to be Scandinavian. True that. <laughs> Fair enough. He's <laughs> up in Canada. True that. But um, now it's talking about that unfulfilled desire and insatiable appetite in terms of like uh, an attitude of, of a country and how it's molded kind of a country. And yeah. so he kind of phrases it in a different way from being a, seeing those themes in a very intimate way and then on a larger scale. On a cultural how, level. Yes. Yeah. Hey, Ben, why don't we bring it home with Exit? Yeah, so this is a, I wanted to go in order, but uh, yeah, so sadly we have to end on a kind of sad note. Exit is actually the darkest song on the album. Um, towards the end, I think it's the second to last song. The last song is Mothers of the Disappeared, which we're not going to talk about. Um, and I actually had never paid that much attention to these lyrics. Um, I just kind of paid attention to the kind of atmosphere of this song. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, th- I feel like the song is kind of about um, finding a kind of sudden redemption. Even though it's a super dark song, it's about finding a kind of sudden redemption in the midst of um, a suicide attempt. Like so, at the final moments, kind of yeah, having... Yeah. I never knew that too until I, I watched the lyrics as I listened to it recently. Yeah. So some of the lyrics are, uh, you know he got the cure, you know he went astray. He used to stay awake to drive the dreams he had away. He wanted to believe in the hands of love. He went deeper into black, deeper into white, could see the stars shining like nails in the night. And then here comes the redemption. He felt the healing, healing, healing hands of love, like the stars shiny, shiny from above. Hand in the pocket, finger on the steel, the pistol weighed heavy, his heart he could feel was beating, 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 oh my love, oh my love. Saw the hands that build can also pull down the hands of love. And actually that's interesting because I feel like those lyrics are actually a throwback, those last lyrics, Mm -hmm. to the first song, to where the streets have no name, right? We're still building then burning down love. And it's Mm -hmm. almost like an exit, this person who's about to kill himself from this despair, right? Arguably because of this unfulfilled, insatiable desire finally realizes right that 
the hands that right, he is using to build on his own right, can also pull down. And mm-hmm. so, but he encounters a healing hand from above. It's actually a really interesting uh, song in relation to the rest of the album, but I had never noticed that until I, I looked more at the lyrics and listened to it again. That is interesting because I never paid very close attention to the lyrics either. I was kind of like you where I just kind of take it in the atmosphere and I never fully like saw the lyrics in their entirety. Yeah. It's also very unique sonically on the album. It definitely stands out kind of like Mm -hmm. Bullet the Blue Sky. It's more of a kind of um, driving. um, It's like simultaneously ambient, but also very rock and roll. Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of experimental-ish in the context of the album. Yeah, that's true. And it's interesting because when you think of the moment before you die as kind of the moment when what's really important reveals itself and you kind of are most likely to have an epiphany because all yeah. the extra stuff kind of get washed away. And that's what it kind of seems like it's doing here. Yeah. is suddenly the, all the extra stuff is put to the side and he can see clearly in his last moment you know what that reminds me of is um it is an image of that theme in the bible of the consuming fire and like we're talking about earlier all these kind of transient goods that we're all striving for in our lives and in the in the end i'll say all is just the source of those good god who who transcends death that transcends everything. Um, and I, I, I really like that image and the image in ex- Exit, like you, in the theme that you were just bringing to the forefront, Tori, how this guy in his most desperate moment on the verge of committing suicide, in that moment, all of the, you could say those transient ideas, those fleeting passions, everything kind of fell to the wayside everything was burned away like as a chaff just like in scripture mm-hmm. and the only thing remaining was god himself yeah. um the yeah. the only thing that and 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 who is love the only thing that's that transcends the fire that can stand the test of the flames of the transient nature of reality and the only thing that will be there on our deathbeds that was there in this 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 man or woman's moment of suicide in this song you know all of that it all comes down to that is the the rock in which we stand god is the the rock and everything else is burned away yeah and we'll never be you know united to god or truly fulfilled unless we allow those other things to Mm -hmm. be burned away through the fire yep exactly and it's like in Jesus himself, right? He, he wrestles with this, right? Um, in the Garden of Gethsemane, right? He had to have that moment where he had to have this perfect trust in God, right? That he was just going to give his life away, right? And trust that he's completely in God's hands and not to just cling to this life, right? Cling to his friends and his relationships and and so on, right? Or like when Jesus resists the devil, right? At the beginning of his ministry, and the devil offers him the kingdoms of the world and, you know, food in his desert fast, and he resists that, you know, 
he allows the temptation to make finite goods violate his commitment to the ultimate good um, take take the place of that yeah yeah for sure I think I think I think the big thing through our discussion that we can kind of take away from I mean you can take away so much from the album because the album is so rich mm-hmm. but I think one thing that keeps on kind of boiling to the surface and at least this discussion is the the idea that as best we can we need to remember that in the end it's just our source who is God and love that matters like that's it and and to the best of our ability we just have to in our in our broken way in our fallen way just try to to pursue that infinite love that god is on a day-to-day but at the same time like we're talking about earlier just like with the dog the bounty hunter example and ecclesiastes that never thought i'd hear those two things (laughs) (laughs) that uh that we have to give ourselves grace in that pursuit. You know what I mean? We're going to fall short every single day. We're going to question every single day, but it's just the realization on a day to day that it's God who's carrying us. We're not carrying God. We can ask the questions and just to the best of our abilities, we just got to seek God and in whatever way we can and seek that eternal love and try to order our lives um properly the best we can even though we fall short and there's nothing wrong with falling short of that you know that's the grace it's all it's all love it's all grace you know Mm -hmm. and and um i think that's the beautiful play on on our 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 day-to-day and our our pursuit of god himself in our lives that's a good that's a good summary a good summation if that's a word Sure. All right, so that's it for this week. The Joshua Tree, a, a truly one of the greatest albums of all time. And um, even the lyrics, you can't fully appreciate what it's conveying unless you sit down and listen to it yourself. Yeah, you it has have, to, obviously you have to listen to it. We the have a, a lot of <laughs> we have a big problem, right, these days where a lot of people we've ceased to become album people. And I think mm-hmm. it's actually really important. And well, a lot of artists don't even write albums anymore. It's just a collection of singles, right? Mm-hmm. But to yeah. me, there's nothing like when someone writes an album as an album, right? As mm-hmm. one cohesive experience that sonically melds together, right? And it, it, every song becomes more impactful when seen through the context of the story. Exactly. Of, of everything else. Exactly. Even if it's not totally. a story. Th- I mean, there's a mm-hmm. sonic story, at least. Yeah, that's what I mean. Kind of yeah. a story yeah. in a very general sense. Yeah. Every song yeah, has more impact in its place, right? And it within the context of the whole album. And there's so, all the best albums are like that. Whether it's the Joshua Tree or I would say like High Violet by the National, um, which we should talk about some other time. Oh, let's go to the National. Although Brett's not a big fan of the National. Brett so. won't be able to contribute anything to <laughs> this, that. Discussion. This week for a national episode, I am Ben Cook with just my theosis story. Brett is <laughs> on hiatus. He, what do you call when a preacher goes on break? Um, Sabbatical. <laughs> <laughs> Brett's on a sabbatical on a sabbatical in Europe. <laughs> yeah, yeah. N- n- normal people go on vacations. Priests go on sabbatical. Can you just picture like um, being on vacation? You, you're like you see another like fellow hiker like in the mountains of Austria, and you're like, "What do you do for a living?" It's like, "Oh, I'm a preacher." It's like, uh, so so what's going on now? And he just says in the softest of tones, "I'm on my sabbatical." <laughs> 
I'm on vacay. I'm on my sabbatical, so I'm going to smash down 10, 10 whiskeys later at <laughs> the beach. All right. All right. It's been real, y'all. Peace it out. Has indeed. Go listen to the Joshua Tree. Immerse yourself in an album. Okay. Yes. Yes. Indeed. Do it. It's worth Come on, it. theologizers. Joshua Tree all the way. It's Greatest album real. ever made. I don't care what anyone says. Yeah. All right. Yeah. We'll all see right. you next Peace time, out. theologizers. This is the Theo Bros Podcast.